Okay, so Barry uh, said he would be willing to learn till the end of Perak, uh, seventh Perak. So God willing, we'll be finishing now the Daf Ein Zayin on Beis Ksubas. We were talking about the story of Rabbi Shulman Levi when he went to Shemaim. So at the indulgent time of 7.08 a.m., we get to talk a little bit in the schus of Barry, who was willing to learn, stay after. What is the, uh, what, what's behind this story? What's going on with Rabbi Shulman Levi going to Shemaim? So the art school weaves together the Mikhtav Melio and the Maharal. I can't claim to understand it, but the bottom line is something like this, that Rabbi Shulman Levi was so immersed in his Torah study that he was essentially um, not so connected to his physicality, right? After all, death, which is the topic over here, Rabbi Shubin Levi's departure from this earth, is a separation of the neshama from the body. So as opposed to an animal where everything ends, for, for us, we assume that there is this neshama and an interaction with the Kaddish Baruch Hu and the Alamos, however that takes place. So when somebody is so immersed in Torah study, right, we speak of Moshe Rabbeinu and his face shone when he came down from, the, from Har Sinai, somebody is so immersed in the ruchnius of Torah study, their physicality is like an afterthought. So when their body and their physicality is an afterthought, so then death is kind of different for those people because their, their body was just sort of like this annoying appendage on top of their soul anyway, uh, that was just getting in the way. So that explains, uh, at least, first of all, why he was impervious to this extremely contagious disease, right? Because he, his physicality was sort of like not, not touchable, so to speak. And so what about the story of the Malachamavis and the knife? So they go through each detail. What do we mean? Essentially, what, that, uh, on, uh, what it basically means in essence is the Malachamavis couldn't touch this guy. So it was just his choice. In other words, everything was going to be on his terms. He was already there as far as being fully ruchni. So the extraction of his neshama from his body wasn't anything that was going to affect him really in any serious way. He was already um, immersed in that. And so because of his Torah study, he was able to tell the Malach Babas, maybe put me here, put me over there. What did he mean when he made the Shavuah? So the article explains something to the effect of he wanted to get a sense of what exactly his chuyas was, where in the Lama he was testing himself in certain ways where Shimon Levi was. Maybe he would make, maybe there would be a um, nisayon of some sort of um, internal battle about whether he would want to go back to Lama And he said, no, I'm committed to Lama Haba. Why did he take the knife? Why did he, at the very end, why did we just say, why do you want to keep the knife uh, for himself? Well, Barry, you don't know when you're in these situations, right, when you're dealing with the Malach HaMavis, uh, whether perhaps this was the point where he was supposed to usher in the days of Mashiach and death, uh, do away with death altogether. Turns out that was not the case, but he thought maybe that was the case. Something to that effect. Be that as it may, as Rabbi Shimon Levi, we pick up nine lines down in the wide, he gets to Gan Eden and Machmir's Eliyahu Kameh. So Eliyahu, no other than Eliyahu Ha-Navi. I guess he's the maitre d'Elahavdil of uh, Gan Eden. And he says, Panu makom levar levai, panu makom levar levai. So he's making an announcement, Rabbi Shubin Levi, who here is quoted as Bar Levi, the son of Levi, he says, make, make way for Bar Levi. So Azul Ashkechel Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. How do you like this? So Rav Shubin Levi wants to find Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. Clearly, if this is where Rav Shubin Levi is hanging out and where Rav Shimon Bar Yochai is, uh, is hanging out, it is an exalted place indeed. So we see that he's, Rosh up there is considered big stuff as well. Anyway, 
He's here, Shimon Barichai. He's looking for him. So it sounds of Shimon he's sitting on 13 chairs of fine gold. So he's got a good seat. Amalei, Atu Bar Levi, or Shimon Barichai says to Shimon Levi, Are you Bar Levi? I hear, you know, Leo Nevi announcing your arrival. So Amalei Hen. So Shimon Levi says, Yes, that's me. So now Shimon Barichai is asking him, Did you ever see a rainbow in your days? What is this small talk? So in the days of Noach, we saw a rainbow, right? When do you see a rainbow? When, and when there is a, a generation worthy of destruction and a tzaddik who is so great, however, when there's a tzaddik that is so great that he is just transcendent, then he is protective of the whole generation and you never need to see a rainbow because the rainbow would never be destruct, destru- uh, the, because the world would never be destroyed, in other words, the tzaddik sometimes can be, it's rare, but he can be so great that a rainbow wouldn't be necessary in that generation because he is like the rainbow. In other words, he is the protection, right? And Hashem doesn't need to fall back on his promise that he wouldn't otherwise destroy you because so long as this tzaddik is there, he would never consider destroying. Okay. So as it turns out, it turns out Rabbi Shimon Rechai was such a tzaddik that there was never a rainbow in his lifetime. So he wanted to know, was there a rainbow in Yeshua and Levi's lifetime? Because obviously it's big stuff. So amazingly, Rav Shimon Levi said to him, yes, I think there was a rainbow in my day. So Rav Shimon Rechai said, so you can't be Rav Shimon Levi, because Rav Shimon Levi is such a renowned tzaddik that there never would be a rainbow in his time. The Gemara ever says, isn't that amazing? Rav Shimon Levi essentially lied, because really there was not a rainbow ever in his time. Rav Shimon Levi was, in fact, enough of a tzaddik. So why did he not... Uh, uh, say that there was never a rainbow time. Elasavar lo achzik Rabbi Yeshua Levi thought to himself, "I'm not going to brag about this. This would be what they call a T4 uh, about ten years ago." Meaning, he's not going to brag about it. But what? So he's going to lie about it? So the only way I can understand it is he was being very modest. The truth is that he had never seen a rainbow. But how does he to know? You know, I was once in Hawaii, and the entire time that I was there for three days outside our window, there was a rainbow. The, the, the same rainbow during the daytime. So how is he supposed to know what's going on in Hawaii? So, you know, you can't really ever know whether there was or wasn't a rainbow in his day. So he just, out of modesty, this is my interpretation, said, yeah, there probably was a rainbow. But he knew that he, ne- he personally never witnessed one. And he probably, if you asked him, you know, give him a lie detector test, would probably say that there's a good chance that there never was one. But he was extremely modest and said, maybe there was one. Be that as it may. That was Rabbi Shuman Levi. So he was a great tzaddik. Now, Rabbi Chanina Papa, Shushvina Hava, okay, he was, a Shushvina means like a buddy. He was a buddy of the Malcham Avas, another person that was so immersed in Torah that he, that really death was going to be on his own terms. When it came to his time to pass away, so again, they said to the Malcham Avas, go do his bidding, do whatever he says. He's, he, he's kind of buddies with, with us. So the Malachim Abbas goes to Rebchani Bar Papa, appears to him. So I'm Papa says, Can you give me 30 days? Can I have a 30 day uh, window here to just chazer my stuff? Why? Because when a person comes to Allah Abba, they say, Happy is he who comes here with the Torah knowledge in his hand. So he wanted another 30 days to chazer everything. So Shafke, sure. I mean, it's his, it's his show. Right, so the Malachamavis leaves him 
30 days grace period. So the So like clockwork, 30 days later, the Malachim appears to says, Can I see my place in in Gan Eden? This was the same request that Yeshua and Levi had asked. So so just as he had said before, he acquiesced and he said, Sure, I'll show you. So says, He says, all right, you know what? Give me your knife. So Dilma Vivatas Li Because I don't want to be spooked out along the way. So I'm like, So the Allah Baba says to him, Fool me once. Shame on me. Wait, no. Yeah, fool me twice. You know how it goes. Like George Bush said, You know the thing. Um, you can't be fooled again. That's the point. Right? He was not going to be fooled again, just like he had been fooled by Rabbi Shubin Levi. So Amr Lay, so Rabbi says to the Malcham Abbas, I see Sefer Torah Bring me a Sefer Torah, and let's see, Is there anything in this Sefer Torah that I did not fulfill? So Amr Lay, Malcham Abbas says, Did you stick, were you so, right, amazing? In other words, he says, Are you going to fool me, Rabbi Shubin Levi? So he said, But. What do you mean? I am fully kulo Torah. There's never any part of the Torah that I didn't fulfill. To which the Malachim says, yeah, but you hang out with the Bali Rasan going back to that disease. Were you so immersed in Torah that you could walk amongst the fully contagious Bali Rasan and, and not be afflicted at all? Did you test your, right, your uh, adherence to the Torah to that extent? And that he could not say, right? That he could not say of himself. Anyway, be that as may, but filu hachi, even though Rechonin Papa did not have that kind of incredible level of Rishub and Levi to go into Ganein alive, there was this additional thing that when, uh, and this happens about once or twice in a generation where you have a, such a generational tzaddik that a column of fire separates between him and everyone else upon his passing away. And that's our tradition, right? That a comma fire will not appear. Right? As we just said, only once or twice in a generation. So, Kar of Lagabe Rabbi Alexandri. So, Rabbi Alexandri comes this uh, pillar of fire that appeared in front of Chanina Papa. He said, You know what? Allow us to come close, right? Remove this pillar of fire. Um, because, after all, that would be a cover Chachamim. Because after all, what does the pillar of fire do? It distinguishes him. But Rabbi Alexandri wanted everyone to hold of the, what? Of the gedolim that were left behind. In other words, if you're a singular, how are they going to listen to us, right? Who now they're going to have this physical reminder of them not being on the same level. So lo ashkach. The common fire still didn't move. So he said, do it for the sake of your father. So lo ashkach. It's still not. So Alexander said, do it for yourself. What does that mean? Well, if the pillar of fire is there, they can't give him a proper hespedim and all that, obviously. So then he's stalik. So amazingly, Rav Hanina Rav Papa was so great that even Rav Papa, who we know is one of the greats, his chus was not enough to remove this, um, to remove this pillar of fire, but it was the chus of Hanina Rav Papa himself, the ability to give him a proper hesped and burial that was in fact the merit by which this Pillar of fire went away. So Amar Abaye, Abaye comments that this says, This is supposed to separate from any person who did not fulfill, right, the Torah as fully as he did. To which, It's, it's coming to exclude somebody. 
the person who does not have a fence for his roof. Who didn't have a fence for his roof? So Ravada Barmasna is speaking to Abaye. It's intended to separate him. He's criticizing him for not having a maka. Ask the Gemara, Valohi, is it possible that Abaye didn't have a fence on his roof? After all, a maka is a mitzvah del raisa that an Abaye certainly would have adhered to that mitzvah. As the Gemara continues to say, Mihava hava. Certainly Abaye had a maka on his roof. What Ravada noticed at the time was that the maka had blown off Abaye's roof. And so he wasn't singling him out as a person who did not fulfill the mitzvah of Makkah, but simply he was just giving him like a nickname, one whose Makkah fell off for whatever reason. The Mepharshim explained, maybe this had to do with something else. Maybe this had to do with, um, with his wife, Misakin Nafsho, because as we had said just a couple of weeks ago, right, there was a machlokas about whether he had married a katlanis, right, because this, his, his wife had lost two husbands prior, at what point does it become a chazaka after two or three husbands? Be that as it may. Finishing up with the, this disgusting disease called Rasan. Why do we have no such um, people afflicted with Rasan in Bavel? That's the secret, Barry. You've got to drink the beet juice and the borscht and beer from prickly shrubs. To which, Why not Metzorayin? I think the Rambam I saw in the art school... Um, says Shechin and Saras might be interchangeable to some extent. Some say not so. Be that as it may, also beets. So I guess borscht is the way to go, Barry. Borscht and beer is the move. And they also bathe in the waters of Euphrates in the in that river, and therefore that is the remedy to avoid Saras as well. Also, we shouldn't speak Lashon Har. Hadron Alech Hamadir. Bezat Hashem, tomorrow we'll be able to resume with the eighth parak of Masechas Ksubas. Thank you.